Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 4. I was going to start a new series today called God the God. The God of Restoration. I was going to start a new series today. And yesterday during prayer, as I was sitting there on the front row, I kept hearing Abba, Abba, Abba. And the Lord has had me personally in the book of Galatians. That's, I've just been like every day reading from one to five, one to five, one to five, right through. I just, I just keep intaking, intaking, intaking. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? And he says, I want you to preach a message called Abba Father. And so that's, this is hot off the press. The ink's still wet. Hallelujah. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as... Why are you getting the drunk one up? Barbara... Well, Father, get her drunk. Hector's being a bouncer. He's getting them off the floor. Hallelujah. Hector, come here. He's getting the drunk people off the floor. Come here, Hector. Just lift your hands. Interrupting. <laughs> get him drunk right now. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Sue in India says, hello, church. All the way from Sue. Hello, India. T-E-C, India. They've already had church. They're like 12 hours ahead of us, I think. Something like 10 and a half. I don't know. I'm drunk. Okay, I was reading the Bible. That's what I was doing. Oh, I don't know how this is going to go today. It'll be good. All right. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time when you did not know God, you were slave to those who which by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, How is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles to which you want to be enslaved all over again? You meticulously observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I've labored over you in vain. And the question I believe the Lord is asking us this morning is, Who are you? Who are you? It is a question of identity. When someone asks me the question, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob Biswell. That's my name, Jacob Biswell. And immediately, oftentimes when I, when I was growing up, the question would be, oh, are you Kenny's boy? And to be honest, I wanted to say no. For some of us, we want to say, yes, I'm my father's son. For some of us, there were times where, yes, I, I'm a Biswell. That, I, I'm of that lineage. That's who I am. And when that question is asked, oh, are you Kenny's boy? It's establishing an identity as the son of my father. And the result could be that if, 
dad is well respected and known that could give some level of credibility. It could give this place of maybe even acceptance. Of course, the opposite could be true. One of the things I often heard as a kid is, oh, are you Burnham Up Biswell's son? Burnham Up Biswell. That was my dad's nickname, Burnham Up Biswell. Because he burned up every car that he ever owned because his foot was so heavy that he'd burn them up. At least that's what I'm told. I don't know. I may have inherited that trait. I'm working on it. Becoming more like Jesus. Of course, if I wanted to be really like him, I wouldn't drive a car. I'd ride a donkey. Hallelujah. And then, of course, I'm the donkey that he rides. So, you know, this is bad. Jesus, help me. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, whether good or bad, we have to learn that we could not rest on the reputation of our dad. We had to forge our own way. We had to create our own path. We had to determine who we were. And this is why the discussion in Galatians 4 is so critical to us. Because it establishes who we are. It gives us our identity and our credibility. I want to look at a few verses here. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. This is the gospel message right here. That Jesus came as a man, both fully God and fully man, born, under, born of a woman, but He was born under the law. He was born under a set of rules, a set of regulations, a, a way of living that for them at that time, that's how it worked. But then it says this, that we might receive the adoption as sons. He came under the law so that legally you and I might be adopted in under the law so that he therefore could set us free from the law. And this is what I love. Handwritten, tell you, revelation I got in prayer yesterday. That phrase, adoption as sons, I love languages. And so when I do the Hebrew and the Greek, I love that there's so much more than our plain English. I mean, it's so deep. And this is what that phrase, adoptions as son is. And I'm going to butcher it. Heothesia. Heothesia. And it has three meanings. Here are the three meanings of adoptions as sons. Heothesia. A, that relationship which God was pleased to establish between him and the Israelites in preference to other nations. So it establishes that God first came to the Israelites. He preferred them at that time. He established a covenant with them. B, the nature and true condition of disciples in Christ, who by receiving the Spirit of God into their souls, becomes the sons of God the true nature of disciples, that we receive the Spirit of God and thus become true sons of God. See, and I love this, the blessed state looked for in the future life when the visible return of Christ takes place. 
as adoptions as sons, and you need to get this, that it is a threefold work. It was both the past covenant, it is both the present reality, and it is the future blessing of the visible return of Christ. That we all have been adopted as sons, both in the past and in the present and in the age to come. That when we become sons, he causes both our time past, our time present, and our future reality to collide in one moment when the Spirit of God takes residence on the inside of us. We are no longer slaves, but we are sons by the law. And you need to understand that, that he had to do that. He had to come under the law so that by the law we might become sons. Because it establishes who we are. Verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. Because you are sons. That phrase there is rightful heritage. Because you have rightful heritage. Do you get that? Rightful heritage. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Mm, you got to get that this morning. That if you are a son, then an heir. He came under the law so that by the law, He could make us heirs of the kingdom which He was establishing in us. We have the rightful attachment as sons. We have the rightful legal opportunity to be sons. I want to jump down to verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, Let let me say this to you this morning, church, because this is what it all hinges on. It's not enough to know God. We have to be known by God. We can know all about God. We can have all the mental knowledge in the world. We could have the perfect theology. But unless our theology becomes a theophany, which is an experience in Christ, unless we make that transition where we become known by God, then we cannot live as sons. What a powerful statement. It puts it in the terms of that natural father-son relationship that we could become known by God. See, I can birth a son and I can build relationship with the son, get to know him, to nurture him, to learn all about him. The getting to know him is my initiative, what I choose to do and how I invest my time with him. And the initiative always comes from the father to build that relationship, to get to know the son. But as the child grows, he gets to know the father. I've I've always had this intrinsic value. Actually, a friend of mine said, I know you're not doing well when you stop asking questions about people. Because it it has always been my nature. I'm inquisitive by nature. I want to know all about you. Tell me about your parents. Tell me. I'm always asking questions. As a kid, I was the kid who annoyed everyone with all the questions. But it wasn't questions about, you know, why is the sky blue? It was, who is your mom? Tell me about grandma. Tell me about great-grandma. I've always had this intrinsic value that I, I want to know about you. I want to know about what happened in your life. I, how did you meet each other? How, how did that happen? It, it's just something that's always been in me. And that's how we come to know God. And God becomes known, we become known by God, is in this exchange of relationship. It's in that inquisitive nature of, 
God, how, how did this happen? God, why, why did this happen in my life? Can you show me how you're moving in this way? And it invites into this relationship. What is important here is this. The getting to know each other started with the father getting to know the son. Becoming known by God. The initiative always comes from the father. You need to know that the father is chasing you down to know you. He created you to know you. I think because, and I was talking about some of these statistics before service, you know that Father's Day is the least attended church service of the year? By and large, statistically, the least attended. On a list of holidays, of order of importance, number one being Christmas, number two, Mother's Day. Do you know where Father's Day falls on that list? Number 20. Arbor Day beat Father's Day. I'm like, I don't even know what Arbor Day is. It's tree day, right? I think celebrating trees. So let's celebrate trees before we celebrate fathers. How far has our culture shifted away when now we don't even want to call them fathers and mothers? We want to call it. I was watching this video the other day. I, I love psychology. I, I just, I do. It's something that makes me tick. And so I'll watch videos that other people would find extremely boring. But I was watching this whole documentary on where our culture has shifted that now they encourage child care workers to not call them parents, call them grown-ups. Are your grown-ups coming to pick you up? Don't call them parents. This whole idea, don't call him a father or dad or daddy. Call him your, uh, what was it? It, was, it wasn't even male. They want to erase gender altogether. It was, oh, get this. Your cis man figure. Cis man figure. So if your dad identifies as a male, call him your cis man figure. Where in hell did that come from? Like, what region of hell burped that up into the earth? Like, I, I can't... And, and now, we don't want to call them mothers. We want to call them birthers. And we want to identify them not as even fetuses anymore. Let's not even call them a fetus. Let's call them biological cells. We've gone so far that no one knows what it is anymore. I was in Walgreens, and I'm just a pleasant person. I was checking out. I was buying some silver markers, and I wasn't paying attention to the person in front of me who was checking. I just said, thank you, ma'am. And she goes, you are the problem with America. That loud. And I look up, and I realize across. Her face mask said, they, them. And I was like, she goes, you just misgendered me. And I mean, there's a line of people. I'm standing, and I said, and because it's me, I said, ma'am, I'm so, see, this is your problem. You white, egotistical, you're probably a Republican and probably an evangelical. You're the problem with America. 
And, and I'll be honest, I got a little annoyed. And I said, well, all of you have a good day. Because they is a plural term. They is a plural term. English teacher, plural. All of you have a good day. Because here's the deal. The problem in America is not Democrat. The problem in America is not Republican. The problem in America is not politics. It is religion. That is part of the issue. But the issue at the core of it all is sin. Because people don't know who their daddy is. They've not met the father. And he has given us the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba! And I'm telling you that in this hour, the cry that needs to hit America is not vote for him or vote for her or vote for them. It's Abba! A political party won't solve the issue because the issues that they have is destroying fatherhood. It's destroying the family. Both sides. Let me be clear. It is both sides of the aisle are the issue. Both sides. I take the side of the cross. Do I vote? Yes, begrudgingly most of the time. Because the options out there, none of them are great. Because they all use Jesus as a way to pimp their politics. We are called as believers. And the cry of our heart should be Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Why is this important? Because many present an image of God as one who is far away, who is maybe displeased with us, and the responsibility is that we somehow find a way to get to know him, our heavenly father. And if we work long enough and hard enough at it, we might somehow find intimacy and acceptance by him. That couldn't be more wrong. But how many of us have felt like that with God? That I've got to find a way to please God enough that he might love me. I've struggled with that. I still struggle with it sometimes. I still struggle after all these years, after all the encounters, because it was so beat into me that God was distant and he was waiting with some big club for me to do something wrong so he could discipline me. That's not who he is. Is discipline part of who he is? Absolutely, because he chastens those whom he loves. But he doesn't operate from the place of, You did wrong. I want to beat you. It's always from the place of, son, I've got so much more for you. I paid too high of a price for you to live that low. I'm calling you higher. Now, does he need to spank us sometimes? Yes. Do I need to spank my children? Yes. Oh, that'll make the the whole culture upset. Yes, I spank my children. Better be careful. Facebook Nazis might come and find me. Oh, dear. The point is this. We have reversed the responsibility and initiative from God to ourselves. We've made it all about us, what we do, how we perform in our relationship with God. When he has already come to know us and is already enjoying us. He's already done that. Let's go back to verse 4. And I think I gave it to you, Melanie. I did. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, 
so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Adoption. We're no longer slaves. We're adopted as sons. We're no longer a slave, but with the cry of a child that says, Abba, Father. It's an intriguing statement thrown in here. You know, one of the, in, in our child psychologists on the front row could correct me if I'm wrong, but in my studies, I've found that some of the first sounds that a baby makes is ah and ba. That it is built into the infant that the way the mouth is formed, no matter what culture, no matter what dialect, ah and ba are some of the first sounds that a baby will make. He built it into us, Abba. And typically, with most infants, their first words, much to the chagrin of the mother who had to birth them and feed them and be up with them all night, is they say, Dad, Dad. Why is that? Because it's intrinsic in us that the Father made us to know Him because He has already known us. The Father gives us our identity. The Mother gives us our nurture. And without the identity, nurture won't carry us. It won't carry us. That's why we see the issues in our culture today. We have a fatherless generation. Fatherless. And I just want to honor the moms that have had to do it on their own. I want to honor the moms that if you've had to do it on your own because you weren't carrying that father aspect that your children needed, but you did your best. And then you go, why are they so crazy? Because they needed that. They need that Abba, that dad, dad. But let me say this, God can heal all that. And I believe God's about to visit a generation I'm prophesying he's about to visit a generation that need their daddy. And he's going to use us to reveal the daddy to them. Abba. Abba is the word a baby and infant would use in reference to its father. Dead dad. It can only be used of a baby, a young infant who already has that relationship. Father, on the other hand, is an expression of intelligent understanding of the relationship between the child and his father. Abba comes from the immature place, recognizing, oh, I see who you are, Abba. Father comes from relationship. So he's given us both the ability to recognize and the ability to relate. Abba, Father. It's both. He's given that to us. Abba, Father, is therefore a statement that can only be properly used when by a person who has really come to that childlike position, I am safe, I am fully in trust with the Father, and while at the same time, I know Him to be my Father. It's an expression of full love of unfettered, unreasoning, fully given over the love the child has while at the same time fully understanding, this is my dad. 
Now, when we think about it, this is the argument in Galatians and all through the New Testament. Jesus and then the apostles contrasting the legalistic image of God, one who can only be appeased by doing all the right things. And then and only then, maybe you can have a relationship with him. That's what had been preached. When God invited the children of Israel up the mountain, it was to have relationship. And they said, no, we'll settle for rules. And then they added to those 10 rules, 610 more rules. And then beyond those 610 more rules, they added even more rules. That by the time you add up all the rules, we're in the thousands of rules that you had to keep to try and know God. And even then, you had to go through a whole process of washing and sacrificing. And even then, only one person could then go in and actually experience God. And Jesus came and said, no, let me rip that veil. Let me invite you into my presence that you may know me as Abba Father. He took all the rules and said, I'll fulfill them all. I'll do what you can't do. He said, I didn't come to abolish it. I didn't come to throw it all away. There was a purpose in it. But let me show you what the purpose. You couldn't do it, so I'm going to take it all on myself. I'll fulfill it. I'll become it. I will be born of a woman under the law so that you might receive the spirit of adoption and cry out, Abba, Father. The redemptive acts of God changed all this. Now it is an intimate, fully trusting relationship with God our Father where such is the level of unreasoning trust that we can say, Abba, Father. I want to say this. We should not trivialize this. I think too many times in our charismatic culture, people just throw around the term, Oh, Abba, Oh, Father. There's a weight to it when you catch the revelation that it is the greatest expression of full, unquestioning trust in God. It's not just a phrase to be thrown around. It is an, it's a place of identity and security. This is the essence of our faith walk in relationship with God. Like a little infant who knows no better than to trust, cries out, Abba. Jump down to verse 10. He says, you pay special attention to certain days, months, seasons, and years. I'm worried about you. Can it be that all my work for you has been for nothing? He says, you observe days, months, seasons, and years. I fear for you and that perhaps I've labored over you in vain. He's saying this, you've reverted back to all the rules. Christ was preached to you in full freedom. And yet you've gone right back to the rules. Isn't that how we default, though? It's our nature. We just default back to the rules, unless you're one of those people who have so much freedom that you're just like, I can't ever follow rules. Then it's rebellion. We'll deal with that on another Sunday. But he's saying, you revert back to the rules, to the laws, thinking that makes you right with God. Has all my teaching been wasted? It seems you've missed the point. See, Jesus came to set you free from all of that. Look at Galatians 5.1, and you'll see it up on, the, on the, the screen. This is the Good News Bible, Good News Translation. Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people, and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. Stand as free people. Galatians 5.4, Good News again. Those of you who try to be put right with God by obeying the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You are outside God's grace. 
I mean, that is such a glaring indictment, if you will. You try to do all these rules thinking that's going to connect you to God. No, he set you free so that you may know him. And when we know him, we automatically do it. In Christ, all the law is fulfilled. When we know him, he empowers us to live by grace. Grace, see, I hate greasy grace. It's this idea that if you sin, oh, there's grace. If you mess up, oh, there's grace. That's not what grace is. That's a gross misunderstanding of grace. This is what grace is. Grace is the empowerment to not sin. His grace is sufficient for me in all my weaknesses. When I can't do it, His grace empowers me to live apart from sin. If I'm struggling with sin, then I'm living under the law because I'm trying to keep all the rules. But when I'm walking in relationship with Him, all of a sudden, the addictions that I once had, I don't have it anymore because I'm under grace. Grace has empowered me to not struggle with it anymore. Grace has empowered me because I'm living in relationship with the Father and I know He loves me and His love becomes an empowerment that all of a sudden, I'm not struggling with this anymore. When Pastor Anna and I were first married, our first year, let me tell you, we went to hell. We lived, I filled out divorce papers three times our first year of marriage. Just being very transparent. Now, part of the issue that happened is we only knew each other three days when we got engaged. Some of you know that story, some of you don't. We got married five months later. We lived apart those five months. We'd only known each other in person 30 days by our wedding day. I mean, it's crazy. So we had two completely different cultures. We had two completely different ways of doing life. We were like, who are you? What did we do? And then about a year into it, all this stuff came up started just garbage from my past, her past, all this stuff. And she said, we need to read this book, Experiencing the Father's Embrace. If you've never read that book, you need to read it. I'm telling you, you need to read that book. I've got, if you need a copy, I buy copies in bulk. Shelly can tell you, she sees the receipts for them because they, it transformed our lives. Because when we experience the Father's Embrace, it transforms us. It literally transformed us. And the issues that I was struggling with, all of a sudden it was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I had tried for years to overcome certain things. I had tried for years to get free. And all of a sudden, when I began to understand who the Father was, I'm not going to live that way anymore. The Father loves me. Now His grace empowers me. Grace isn't the cover-up, it's the empowerment. I don't need grace to cover my sin. I need grace to live apart from my sin. That's what grace is all about. And when we begin to understand how the Father loves us, we begin to walk in the Spirit. We begin to think differently. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. That you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Here's what Ephesians 4, 23 in the Good News Bible says. Your hearts and minds must be made completely new. You can't think like a slave anymore. You've got to have a change. Here's my, here's my conclusion as I start to wrap up. And, and here's how we're going to do service, just to help y'all. I'm going to close up. We're going to go back into worship. And then Hector and Suzanne will come up and do offering and announcements at the end. Where we're going to take some time to worship Abba. But he, here's, here's where I'm at. Because my journey is changing. This is still a process of revelation. Like I said, I still struggle sometimes believing that God really loves me. 
it's still a struggle sometimes. Especially if I've been working a lot and I'm under stress, I, my default is to go back to, oh, I'm not good enough. No matter how hard I try, it's never good enough. No matter what I do, I can't ever get to the place that I want to get. Anyone ever felt like that? Yeah, we all have. We all feel like that. But then I come back to the Father. I go, Father, you paid the price. You're a good Father. You've, you've set me free. I'm not going to live under the law. I thank you that your grace empowers me. This process that I'm, I'm in, as I've been going through this process, it really started for me, this next level of process in 2020. You know, when we were all shut in and I grew bitter and all sorts of stuff happened, God began to deal with some bitter roots, some behavior, some ideas, some things, some perspectives. Because my gift, my primary gift is that of a prophet. So I can tend to be very black and white. That, no, it's wrong, it's right. End of story. Where's my sword? Quack. And I used to deal with people like that. I used, if someone had an issue, well, no, here's the issue. Just sort it out. Pastor Anna gave me a, a really good, I wouldn't say rebuke. It was advice. She said, Jacob, you, you've got to give more details when you're giving the word of the Lord to people. Like, how do they practically walk it out? Because for me, I'm like, the word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. Just obey it. She's like, well, how do you obey it? How do you walk it out? How do you process these things? And so she's helping me. She's the teacher. She, she's got that teaching gift where she can explain things and give me practicals. And I'm just like, here's the revelation. Move with it. And I used to just be so black and white. Now, there are non-negotiables. Sin is sin. So I'm not saying that I don't believe that sin is sin. But what I've come to recognize, what I've come to recognize is that my view as a prophet was very legalistic. It was very, it had biblical precedence behind it, but it was very, my way or the highway, this is how I view it, this is how it needs to be. And as God has begun to transform me and deal with things in me, I begin to recognize, actually, sin is just a symptom. It, it, now, often sin is a root because of the sin nature, but the particular sin that I'm looking at is often a symptom. What is causing that person to behave that way? What is motivating it? And when we begin to recognize that, and we begin to confront that, the New Testament mindset is this, that God is loving. He's accepting. He delights in us. He wants to have relationship with us. And just like I would with my kids where I'm like, hey, this behavior is not okay. Why are you doing that? I always ask, why would you do that? Because I want to understand the process. Well, such and such happened. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Well, why do you behave that way? Well, when I was a kid, my mom always said, da da da. Okay, let's deal with that. When we begin to understand why people do what they do, we then no longer say, well, here's the answer. We then get to process with them. And we get to walk it out. And we get to bring them into freedom. We begin to get them into grace. And that's the question we have to begin to ask ourselves. Sin still remains sin. But the message of dealing with sin changes to one of God's love. He already paid the price. He was already born of a woman. 
under the law so that we might receive the spirit of adoption and cry out, Abba, Father. And it turns out that it's there that most of us struggle. Does God really love me? Does God really accept me despite all I've done? How can God love me? Romans 5.5. 5. I love this. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This morning, this is what I want to do. This is what I sense the Spirit of God doing. So we're going to put on that worship set, Melanie. There's two songs. If you're struggling with believing God loves you this morning, if you're struggling with Abba Father, I want you to just come to the front. I may lay hands on people, I may not. But I want you to just come, get out of your comfort zone. I want you to come to the front and I want you to worship with abandon. Just let God minister to you. Go ahead, Melanie, you can start it. We're going to turn out the lights. We're just going to let this be between you and God. There's two songs this morning. Jesus, we just welcome your presence. It's already here. We welcome your freedom right now. Begin to touch people. Begin to touch people right now. You can turn it up, Greg. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can leave the live stream on. Along with the saints and the elders, glorious song and the praises they sing never cease again. I'll stay here forever singing.
doors fling wide. I see glory as I run inside the throne before you. I decision to follow Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to him. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning to dedicate your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He paid a high price for you. He paid the highest price. He paid the highest price. He died for you. And he sealed it with a resurrection. After three days, he raised from the dead. And this morning, the Lord wants you to know he loves you. Jesus, he loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to know him. You're known by God and he wants you to know him.
And if that's you this morning, you want to make that decision to follow Jesus. Whether you're in the room or watching by live stream, if you're in the room this morning, I want you just to lift up your hand. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus this morning, I want you to surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, you might be watching by live stream. God is chasing you down. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago. This morning you want to renew that commitment. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I surrender my life. You are my Lord today. I choose to follow you. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song this morning. Come on. There's no shadow.
I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Come on, if you struggle with seeing yourself as a child, would you just lift your hands? I just want to sing over it. If that's like a thing, like you look in the mirror and you don't see who God called you to be. Come on, just lift your Come hands. Come on, receive I'm this. I'm a child time. of God. Yeah. No matter what I did. Yeah. No 
matter what they say No matter who I used to be I'm a child of God My actions don't define me I'm a child of God My failure doesn't define me I'm a child of God My mistakes don't make me I'm a child of God You said it You called me you chose me, I'm a child of God. When I look in the mirror, I will see a child of God. Yeah. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a child of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. My identity is in you, I'm a child. Come on, just receive that this morning. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of no matter God. the blood I was born into, I'm a child yeah, of God. Yeah. I am a new blood, I am a new blood, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, not my mistakes, not who I was, I am yours, all yours. Not my mistakes, not who I was, I am yours, all yours. I'm not my mistakes, I'm not who I was, I am yours, all yours. I'm not my mistakes. Not who I was, I am yours, all yours. Yes, I'm not my mistakes, I'm not who I was, I am yours, all yours. I'm not my mistakes, not who I was, I am yours. I'm yours, all yours. 
Father, right now, I thank you that we belong to you. I pray, Father, right now. Oh, we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Hector and Suzanne, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I'm going to close out with the announcements and offering. I just feel led to do something. Romans 5.5, I want to read that again. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him might have eternal life. Jesus was the example of what giving looked like. And this morning I want us to, to prepare our hearts to give. Ephesians 5 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So God loved the world so much that He gave. And the Apostle Paul tells us to be imitators. That we should imitate that. Giving should be a fruit of our life. Some have been given the gift of generosity and it's easy for you. Some you're working on developing that gift. But this morning, I want to encourage you to give. As we get ready to receive the tithes and offerings, I want to remind you, tithes belong to the Lord. Those are His. If you're struggling with giving, start there. It's a good place to start. It's the only time in the Bible he says, test me in this. The only time he invites us to the math test. Test me in this. Start there. But this morning as we get ready to give, I want to encourage you, be imitators of Christ. Freely give. Give with a cheerful heart so that we can see more people come to know Abba Father. That's what it's about. It's not about my salary. It's not about the building. It's not about the electricity. All that stuff goes into it. But at the end of the day, it's that we as a church are called to win the lost and make disciples. Win the lost, equip the saved. And we can't do that if we don't give. So I want to encourage you to give this morning. KFC buckets, kingdom finance collectors are coming around. Ways to give her up on the board. We're going to pray in just a second. Men, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, 
Greg's house. Hector's making breakfast. If you need the address, see Greg. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock before prayer. Have a good time of fellowship. Built a fence the last time. I don't think he has any projects this time. But, but I encourage you, if you're a man, you should be there. It's worth it. It's worth it. Wednesday night, we have Post Encounter. You can be there. Who's enjoyed Post Encounter so far? And it been good? And it's just getting gooder. And Wednesday, I'm sharing my birthday with you. Turning 42. I'm just kidding. 32. 32. I know. Some people say I look 40. That's okay. The reason I have the balding is because I pastor. And five kids. No, that's the gray. Hallelujah. Let's pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for what you've done. And I pray, Father, right now that you would pour out your spirit in fresh measure. God, you have the ability to meet every need because it's according to your riches and your glory. We can't do it without you, Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you would go above and beyond. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.